Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Thoughtful Intentions. I'm your host, Fiona Winch. And before we get started with our guest today, I just want to say a few housekeeping things. Um, First of all, thank you to everyone who has um, shared your support (laughs) and your kind words. It means the world to me. I love doing this and I love that you enjoy it too. So thank you, really. I really don't know who listens to this most of the time, so... (laughs) It does mean a lot to me when you tell me that you um, enjoy an episode and it would mean a lot to me as well if you rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen, of course. I also have an Instagram page at Thoughtful Intentions Podcast where I share references, photos, videos, any kind of references we make in the episode after the fact. So um, it's a little if you know, you know kind of thing. And you can stay up to date with who is our next guest and what you can expect from them. So go hit that follow button if you're feeling so inclined. Please also feel free to share with me if there's a certain topic that you'd like to see covered or a certain type of guest that you would like me to invite on. Um, I'm all ears. I feel like I'm on a pretty good roll right now, so I want to keep it up. Um, Or if you have a story that you'd just like to share with me as well, let me know. All right, and without further ado, our guest today is the one and only Ida Murad. Ida Murad is an Arab NYC-based intuitive artist whose mission is to help people feel seen, heard, and loved through art. She paints with her fingers due to a past trauma. She became an artist because she has rheumatoid arthritis. They say the darker the shadow, the brighter the light. Her rheumatoid arthritis was her shadow. Her art is her light and serves as a light for others. When she was 20 years old, she was diagnosed with her shadow and subsequently semi-paralyzed for four and a half years. When she was in a place of suffering, she turned to her art to help her heal. However, she didn't paint with paintbrushes. She painted only with her hands to demonstrate to herself and to the world that she is not damaged and this dysmorphia will not define her. Today, Ida combines her expertise as a Reiki master, intuitive coach, and artist to create fine art by painting with her fingers to both beautify people's physical spaces and bring healing as each art piece is infused with Reiki. As of May 2022, Ida has sold out 10 collections and has been featured in 21 exhibitions. Her work has been featured globally, including in Voice of America, Reuters, TRT World, Al Jazeera, and the United Nations. She is named as the 2022 Georgetown University Artist in Residence to create healing for the Lombardi Comprehensive Cancer Center. She has also collaborated with Grammy Award-winning artists, including the drummer from The Doors, John Densmore, to use art for social good. Her paintings have been acquired globally, including by the previous Deputy Minister of Culture at the UAE Qatar America Institute for Culture, board member of the National Museum of Mexican Art, and the previous chairman of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights under Obama's administration at a historical landmark in Chicago. She is a BMW Foundation leader and has received numerous awards for women in impact. As an Arab and previously disabled individual, Ida hopes to increase pathways for more minorities and differently abled individuals to enter the arts, as well as use art for nature conservation and climate change awareness. Hi, Ida. Hi. (laughs) What a bio. I mean, (laughs) congratulations. That is wildly impressive. Oh my God, Fiona, while you're reading it, I had to let my little girl inside me wanted to just dance and like be like, hey, Ida. Like she was like pinching my cheeks. Be like, be proud of yourself. It was just, it was funny. It's a surreal moment. You're like, oh yeah, that was me. (laughs) No, she, she should be proud. You should be proud. That is... So impressive. I mean, um, and I I thought I knew plenty about your work, and I was just blown away by how much more you've done. It's um, congratulations. Thanks, Fiona. It's funny if like the first thought that comes to me is, you know, I'm this modern society completely encourages to be on the go, 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 go. And what I'm trying to foster is this balance again, because I've forgotten it. And part of balance is I'm trying to learn how to celebrate again, Mm. to relax. And so just hearing you read that, I received it. 
Well, it's funny because you told me that I didn't have to read it all halfway through, which is funny, you know, because I think it's it deserves to be read. Yeah, yeah. And, and then this goes into a whole other conversation around our relationship with humility, our relationship with, right. um, you know, the ego. And that's something I've been trying to, I've been overly humble in the past, not out, and, and I didn't have a great relationship with power. Mm. And, and, and influence so I tried to belittle myself and now it's like reprogramming what that all means and all this is sparked by you simply reading my bio I love that <laughs> what a strong start <laughs> um well I am I'm so happy to have you here today um it's I know it's been you've been pretty busy I just from watching you I know that you're just at a TED conference right oh how was yeah. that it was pure magic. What were you doing there? I was uh, attending. I've spoken at TED in their smaller events previously about how to use art for manifesting love, how to use art for innovation. So, it's, so I went there to, as an attendee. And it was my first time attending the TED conference at, at the TED stage. I mean, every person that I talked to was not just brilliant and obviously so accomplished, but so kind and interested. A friend told me it's easy to be interesting or try to be interesting, but to be interested and interesting, mm. that's a hard, not, I don't want to say hard, but a rare combination I found. But mm. at head, I found people were interesting and interested. That's really cool. Good listeners, I imagine. That's cool. That's interesting. Like commenting just as we were talking about humility too, that I'm, I imagine that that must've um, been some good demonstration of just amazing people that also happen to be proud and humble, like a, a funny dichotomy. Yeah. And you know, what was so beautiful was we all have dreams, right? So one of my aspirations is to create a re really fun collaboration with certain musicians, and then also collaboration with a fa big fashion brand. And what was really beautiful was I would tell some of my aspirations to people I met at TED and they're like, oh yeah, I got, you know, one guy was like, yeah, I just randomly performed with Run DMC, you know, one of the, uh, one of the, um, wow. figures from Run DMC and that's not his full-time work. He does something else, but he performs on the side. And then another person was like, oh yeah, my, my friend just did something with Celine, the, the fashion company. And what was beautiful was, wow, my aspirations aren't that far off. Like, yeah, I can do it. You know, so it was just so beautiful to be around people who were like, oh, this is not something far off. This is easy. Let me tell you how. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is the hardest part to me. And that's part of the reason why I started this podcast, because I think the first job is putting words to those aspirations, you know, figuring out what it is that you love and what you want to do. And I don't know what you might have your sights set on and, and putting words to that can be intimidating. It can, you might not even have the vocabulary to do so. And then once you realize it, it's the how that can be so frustrating, you know, for the longest time I knew kind of conceptually what I might want to do, but no clue how to do it. So I just really love hearing about how other people, um, how, how other people do that. Um, cause I think it's, it's really, it's really important to share those things. Yeah. And sometimes Fiona, like our job isn't to figure out the how. And that's where it goes to the, that's where I struggle too, though. Cause I do, yeah, I get, I do get caught up in that. And, and then sometimes doing will lead you to the answer. Right. And sometimes being would also mm -hmm. lead you to the answer. And that goes back to the start of our conversation of you know, trying to figure out that balance. And we, we're, we're in a society and in a culture that encourages constant doing. And I'm realizing that the best manifestations I've had is when I've learned to just allow and to receive and that you can't allow and receive without being so that, that there's like a, that minor shift mm -hmm. obviously you have to, to 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 work and and figure out the how but not to the point where we're suffocating it right you know, and right. that's where 
I, I break it down into we're either taking action by forced action or inspired action. And the inspired action has the delicious how the forced action doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's when, when you say that it, it makes me think a little bit about motivation too, because there is a fine line because if I waited for motivation, I, I would much prefer to act on motivation and to act on inspiration, but sometimes it's hard to, um, to wait for that, you know? So finding the fine line between not necessarily forcing it, but maybe having tiny habits in place where, you know, bite-sized things where, um, you're fostering that motivation, that inspiration without twisting your arm over, you know, bending over backwards to do it all the time when you don't want to. I don't know. That's a fine line. It's such a valid and important point around motivation because, you know, depression is a real thing. Yeah. Um, the, the spectrum of emotions, we, we experience that. So, I'll, you know, it's funny. I'll give you an example that is as recent as yesterday. Yesterday, I was feeling so low and so sad. I had such a long to-do list. And I just couldn't do any of it. And you know what I did, I, I, which was the best decision I did yesterday was do nothing. I did nothing. I canceled all my meetings. I stayed in bed till 1 p.m. And again, I'm conscious I have the luxury that I can do that. So I just want to name out everyone can do that. And mm-hmm. we'll talk about you know, ways we can navigate. You can't take half a day off. And I cried and I felt sad. And I didn't judge myself for feeling that. I just allowed myself to feel lonely and all you know, the sad emotions. Mm-hmm. And then I just said, tomorrow is going to be a new day. So, and I, it's, it's like, I, I have this, this approach where I have a, in my mind's eye, I have a round table and on each seat is a different board member and there are different emotions. So there's anger, there's sadness, there's joy. And you know what? Yesterday, sadness and loneliness needed to speak. And I let them. And today, I honestly feel like I can breathe. And I'm so motivated. I went to the, I woke up, I did, I, I did half of the things I needed to do. And I think about half the time because I released, you know, I gave, I was mm-hmm. kind to myself in those feelings. In those feelings. Um, so just, that's what came up to me. Yeah. As you said, the motivation part. It's like, how do we allow ourselves to feel that spectrum of emotions? Absolutely. No, that's a great point. And I am, I'm so glad that you're feeling better today and that you took that space for yourself yesterday, because that is important. And like we've talked about, finding that balance is so hard. So I'm glad that you didn't judge yourself and let, and let that just happen. Um, Have you seen the movie Inside Out? I have. Okay. Cause that's what I was thinking of when you said that, that movie really change the way I look at my emotions. It's crazy. Even just you mentioning to the board members. I mean, it's so valid. Each one is valid and we'll take over sometime. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I'll expand that even further. Have you heard of the book Untethered Soul? No. So I highly recommend reading it. It is, so we'll go into my story a little bit, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I as briefly mentioned, I experienced a, a trauma with health. So I was semi-paralyzed for four and a half years. But one of the books that was so instrumental to me was Untethered Soul. And the reason is it, it helped me connect with the, the person who's observing me experience mm-hmm. this trauma. So mm-hmm. when I think of the, the round table and, and the board members of different emotions, I invite the lesson of, hey, I connect with the chairman of the board, who is, it, who is witnessing everyone in the room. She mm-hmm. is not anger. She is not joy. She is not sadness. She is the chairman who holds space for all of them. Mm. And that really helped shift things for me. Like first is naming the emotions, embracing them, but then second is knowing you're neither. You're, not, you're none of these. You just hold yeah. them container. Right, yeah. That's a really great way to like step outside of yourself for a minute. And 
I think that would help me practice more patience for sure to watch these things play out. That's great. Um, Patience. How do you practice patience? How do you practice Fiona patience? I had to practice patience recently and I wrote something in my notes app, um, which I do frequently. Um, It went something like, I actually, yeah, I have it here. I said, I'm going to take three deep breaths and I'm going to revert my energy to more calming thoughts and attentions. That's, I just had, I just had to, it's like, okay. Deep breaths, like, you know, the eight count in and eight count out kind, which I don't do that often, but I know when I need it. (laughs) So I try, I try to remind myself to do that. I also love meditating. Um, I don't really know that I'm necessarily patient by nature, but it doesn't mean I can't practice it. It's interesting. You mentioned the word habits, like in many habits. Yeah. And I truly believe we are creatures of habits. It's just, we were like fostered to be a certain way. And some things are natural to us. Like I'm, I'm a self-taught artist that is natural to me. But then it's a muscle to maintain and to expand that, right, that practice. Right, right. I think I just need to mention off the top that I know a little bit about you. So I know that this was not always your path. Um, You used to work for the Jordanian government, right? Is that true? But reading your bio, it seems so obvious that this was meant to be. So I was just wondering if it feels that way to you and if you can talk a little bit about your story. Yeah. Oh, first, so I'll I'll give you a metaphor to start. Okay. So I had a husky in Jordan. And the husky, you know, the the Jordanian climate is this is a desert climate. So I only knew my husky in a desert climate. And it was fine for me in my eyes and what I knew it was happy. It was good. It was content. And then one day it snowed. And Fiona, that day, changed my life it's like a core memory going back to inside out uh-huh. I saw the husky out in snow and uh, and I was mesmerized because I saw the husky come to life it was in its natural environment its skin reacted differently because huskies right are meant to be in snow so it it, it like stuck with me and I asked in everything that I do, am I a husky in snow or a husky in the desert? Mm. And with that example, being an artist now, I am a husky in snow every single day. I am. I have chills. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) I, 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 I can breathe better. I am on my spiritual mission. Wow. And doesn't mean it doesn't come with hardships, right? Of like figuring out the business side of it. Uh, unlearning a lot of the narratives that society teaches you around being an artist and, you know, taking the leap of faith. It's also like when you get what you've dreamed of, there's some, it's a bit scary. It's like, wow, I'm living my dream. How long can this last? Mm-hmm. But then it, you rewire. So I am a husky in snow. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> but, you know, I wouldn't change anything from my past. So I'll, I'll give a bit of a description. So yeah. in the past, I grew up in Jordan, very happy there at the time. Uh, I went to college at George Washington University and was super A-type from, I mean, I started working since I was 13, loved business. And I, I uh, at G- George Washington, I wanted to get straight A's, which I did. And then I wanted to get I wanted to work 40 hours a week and I wanted to be the person who's at every party. And I thought sleep was for the week. Fast forward to, and, I, and when I was at George Washington, I would work um, at international development. So that's been my field for about 15 years or so. Okay. International development, that's how mm-hmm. I worked with the Jordanian government. I worked with startups, worked with um, USAID, et cetera. Uh, but what happened is in my 
senior year of college, that's where I got my first episode of paralysis. So it just happened overnight where I couldn't move my body and I had to drop out of, of university. I ended up graduating with something easier since Bachelor of, Sci of Arts instead of Bachelor of Science and um, ended up selling everything I owned in order to pay the bills, even though I could have called my family to ask for help. But I had a very much I had a lot of pride and an issue with asking for help. So fast forward, I got the help I needed and I moved back to Jordan. And I, that's where I started my first company, which was an e-commerce platform to have women sell the things they owned in order to get cash. And that was inspired by my need to have money, like mm -hmm. liquidity in order to pay for doctors. Right. Uh, and then I moved to the US in 2015. And that's where I... Um, had my second episode of paralysis and I turned to art to process my traumas. Wow. I mean, I knew your story, but still hearing it again, it just, um, it really resonates just your resilience. Um, and it makes me wonder because we talked a little bit about just, you know, being patient with ourselves and making space for that. Did that change? I mean, you were so young when that first happened. Did that change your relationship to your self-worth at all? Oh, completely. Just, I mean, it was a roller coaster. I can see if, if I map out the journey of my self-worth, like highs, lows, lows, super lows, like lows I couldn't even imagine existed. And then medium. So I would say, when it first happened, I was so ashamed to be seen by anyone or anything because I wasn't used to people seeing me as weak. Like I was the girl who had everything put together, you know, and I was proud of that. And I liked that. I liked being independent. I liked not needing anyone or anything. But then, you know, I look back now, my self-worth, it's interesting when you said the word resilience, I had a bit of a reaction to it in terms of, a lot of people have told me I'm resilient and I'm getting to the point where I'm excited to be congratulated for my softness, mm. for my ability to be so divinely feminine. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm graduating from resilience. I would like to graduate. I would like as a community, like how can we structure society where we are congratulated, celebrated for how soft we are. And, you Do you know, think they can exist in tandem at all? I think so. So, you know, this is where we talk about, are we talking about, we're going into like semantics and what I are know. we talking about, right? <laughs> no, but this is so important. Yeah. Like, are we talking about resilience? Are we talking about strength? Because right. this is where, you know, I think of a tree. I've been, a lot of my art is influenced by nature. And I think of a tree that is so strong and it's so rooted then parts of it, I mean, the flowers that come out of it are so soft, mm -hmm. right? They're, they're almost, one would say vulnerable, but they don't see themselves as vulnerable. They're fulfilling their, their, their purpose by being open and being able to be taken, right? Mm -hmm. This is where I, I'll ask you, like, do you, are you asking about strength or are you asking about resilience? And what, it, what are we, what is the difference? Because what I'm yeah, aiming to structure my life is to be so strong and so rooted that I'm actually able to be open because I can't be knocked mm. down by a person who has an energy that is not of my alignment of my frequency. It's just interesting. You just, uh, for those of you who obviously can't see, she just did this hand motion that did look like a tree. Like it looked like you your body was the trunk and then you opened your arms like as though it was the tree and that was the open portion. So um, I think that's a really wonderful comparison because that's true. It comes from a good place and I, I'm so grateful for it because I needed to be resilient in order to exist today, right? And now you, you, yeah, but now you don't have to. Yeah, and this is goes like, I have so much to say on the topic. Like, yeah. You know, even thinking about our relationship with suffering and, you know, I, I, and even that goes back to my art that I've had to unlearn. Like one of the reasons I was so scared to turn full time is we have these narratives around being a starving artist. 
And I said, no. I, I don't want to be a starving artist. I don't want to suffer with no money. You know, no, I would like to be a thriving artist. So that's where rewiring and reprogram, reprogramming comes in. And we can go back to doing that through micro habits, which kind of brings our conversation full circle. But yeah. I, I too, um, I hate that narrative. How can I be an artist that feels good for me? Like, what does that look like for me that feels right? And that feels like um, sustainable, honestly, because I didn't want to burn out. I didn't want to like grow tired of what I love and what I'm passionate about. Um, but just figuring out what my day-to-day life looks like to support that. It's really, even now it's hard to explain, you know, it's really tricky to find that for yourself as an artist. Yeah. And this is where, you know, rewiring even the way we describe it. Yeah. So the way, one of the ways I, I started getting out of paralysis was really monitoring my thoughts, my words, my actions, and even how I'm grateful that I'm succeeding as an artist is because I stopped saying that it's hard. I just kept saying like, it's, I, I am an incredibly successful artist. My art collectors find me with ease and joy. I am an incredibly healthy woman. And then I would imagine how it feels like to walk from the bedroom to the bathroom with such ease. I wouldn't even say with no pain because that reminds me of pain, right? And I think there's, there's studies showing that how the brain doesn't absorb the word no, it just absorbs the word pain. Hmm. It so interesting. I would just say, yeah, I, I walk with ease. That's great. And this, I feel like you said that um, your rheumatoid arthritis was your shadow, but became your light. So when did you realize that? It wasn't until during the pandemic, I would say. Really? I mean, it, 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 it's a constant evolving process of, because when you experience such intense trauma, it's layers and layers and layers. Mm-hmm. So during the pandemic, I was paired with a friend who helped me see that my arthritis is my life. I mean, it's my shadow. It helps mm-hmm. me start it that my arthritis helped me connect with my life, which is art. So I wouldn't say there was one moment in time, it was kind of a constant evolution and unfolding, which I'm still on the journey of. And even as I work with people, because I have people come into my studio to paint with their bodies, to process their emotions. And I connect with my light even further and understand it through other people, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of, I feel like what I felt when I visited your exhibit, um, for those who don't know, I, the reason that we even met in the first place is because I wrote a green pointers article about her exhibit. Um, and it was all about your grandmother and that really struck me. And just the way that we, so many of us use art as an expression to grieve or like you said, to process trauma. And that's, that, that hit me when I was visiting it. I was like, I honestly walked in and I hadn't had a very, um, I was feeling a little down. I'll just say that way. And that completely turned around for me when I was there because it made me think of my grandmother and the way that I processed that when she passed away. Um, and just your love and light for, for the work and for, remembering her that way it was it was really inspiring thank you no it's uh I mean what was most fulfilling was not actually of course I was so happy showing people the art and I do want my art to find their right homes because they're meant to be people's homes or offices you know it's just to to fulfill a service but what most satisfied me was seeing people from ages five to I believe 86 come and paint on that community canvas and think of their grandmother like even hearing a bits bits of your story with your grandmother mm-hmm. I mean that was nourishing because we don't have spaces to not just grieve but to celebrate right yeah 
No, I mean, picking out those paints, even, you know, I, I picked out the colors that were her favorite colors and it was just nice to see them together and to put them there. It feels like an extension of her in that way. It's just nice to um, be a vessel for that. And I'm sure you feel that way all the time. So that's great. You know, what was fun. A, a grandmother came in and said, wow, no one really asks me about my grandmother because I'm the grandmother. Mm. And it was so beautiful hearing her say how her grandmother shaped her and just to give her that space. That's no cool. One, it's true. Like, I don't ask my grandmother about her grandmother. I never right. really ask her. She's right. Just, Oh, that's neat. And you said that your mother and your grandmother were artists, but not professionally. And before your grandmother passed, she wrote you a note expressing her pride and admiration for your art, which you displayed at the exhibit. So what did that note mean to you? Oh, so both my grandmothers and their mothers were, were artists, wow. self-taught artists. And I'm the first professional artist in the family. What she told me before she passed, uh, and I have the note here hung, is either by you being an artist, you're fulfilling my dream. I mean, what mo more motivation do I need to continue being an artist? And, you know, for her time, she couldn't do it because culturally mm -hmm. it wasn't a part of it. Um, and now I'm doing That's so it. special. Yeah. That's really great. But, and I know this too about you, you had a hard time accepting the idea of being a full-time artist and like calling yourself an artist. Yep. <laughs> what was that all about? Oh my God, Fiona. I used to be offended when people would think I'm just- Really? I'll be like, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm not just an artist. Because why? Because I was, I wanted to be more, like, I wanted to choose more masculine careers that, mm -hmm. that link to success, that link to like the stamp of, you know, she's smart. So that's why I became an economist. And that's why I worked with the, Jord at the Jordanian um, government. That's why I worked for startups because that's what, you know, strategy and whatever, that's what on paper seems more successful. So I thought being an artist was not smart, was not stable and more narratives. Uh -huh. But then that's where in COVID, I realized I was getting more miserable by the day, not fulfilling my life's calling. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was paired with- Because you were still, you were still painting and doing all the things, yes. just not like accepting it as like a full-time role. Exactly, exactly. Because I've been painting for about seven years, uh, seven plus years. So just, I've been full-time for two years. And that transition was a hard one. And I feel like we can talk an hour and a half about that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and dissect each subconscious and conscious belief that society has constructed for us. Right. And it's our job to unlearn them. And it's our job to, to help future generations to, to not go through that because we, we don't need to. I want to ask you that actually about like what advice you would have for people that don't feel like they're an artist by nature, but who, um, I mean, you talk about how art can be used for innovation and manifestation and healing and building relationships and, and how necessary it is in, in that capacity. The first thought that came was community. Is I, I can't express enough how important community is because, for example, what, one of the ways I got out, I was able to shift is because I had a dear friend who could witness me when I worked on something different and realized, shoot, I'm actually really miserable here. And would help, I remember I would break down to him every other day for a couple months and, and was super sad. And he'll just take me and be like, go to the mirror, look at yourself and say, hi, I'm Aida and I'm an artist. And I mean, I, I'm sure I would have gotten there eventually, but eventually could be at 60, right? Right. So I, community is priceless. So that's where I would say, it's like I said, I do a quarterly check-in with myself around like, who am I spending my time with? Because sometimes I want to spend time with people who are not nourishing. And I just want to spend time with them because I'm coming from a place of lack because I think they're like, they're better than me and whatever. 
something in that realm. Mm -hmm. But now I go back to my self-worth, which I feel is pretty good, that paired with curiosity and humility. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm confident to say, yes, I want to spend more time with this person, you know, and yeah. so that I'll say community. Yeah, no, I think that's a, it does make me think about my experience. And like I, when we were talking about the starving artist mentality and just um, like the community that I came into adulthood with uh, when I left school or just the community that I left school with was um, a one size fits all kind of way to be an artist. And that's where I um, struggled a bit. I feel like the, like you, the metaphor, the husky in the desert versus the husky in the snow, I was like, it just didn't feel right. Something didn't feel right. And I didn't really know at first how to address it or where else to look. It, I just, I, all I could do is identify that feeling and see if I could feel differently in other ways. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, that's where you know, the other thing I would say is as a coach, I, I came up with this question of who's in, the stri- who's in the driver's seat. So for example, I'm 32 today. And sometimes I'm taking decisions based on Aida, who's at five years old, who experienced that trauma. And she's in the driver's seat saying, no, 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 don't do this because you know, it, it will, you will get pain similar to what we experienced and we are protecting ourselves. So that is not 32 year old Aida who knows better, who is equipped with more resources, not just financially, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, so that's a question that's like, oh, of awareness of taking a step back and asking yourself like, Who's actually taking the decision? That is a game changer. Yeah, I mean, it's my five-year-old self would be a terrible driver. <laughs> right? Yeah, she would, she would crash, crash for sure. And, and you know what, Fiona? I'm going to also add an, another element to that. It's like your five-year-old self has so much to teach you and teach me. Like that's why I encourage people to come do the art journeys and, and paint with their bodies because we've forgotten how to be kids, how to be yeah. messy and to play just for the sake of playing. Totally. Which goes back to the very first thing we talked about in this conversation of balance. Mm-hmm. We've forgotten that balance and children have such important lessons for us. Um, Okay, so we've heard a bit about your professional life from a business standpoint and about your past, but I really want to hear more about your artistry process as well. Um, I mean, these these pieces are amazing, and I'm privileged to be looking at them behind you right now. I cannot wait to share them with everyone, but I, I was just wondering how you begin a piece. Like, do you wait for inspiration to strike, or do you just approach it? Like, how do you do it? Yes, I would say, first, thank you. Thank you for your kind words. I receive. Uh, I would say I'm I tr- I'm the vessel, and I try to be the empty vessel, and things come through me, not from me. So I don't have a specific plan when I'm going to approach a painting. It's like energy comes through me, and it's getting to the point. So one of the paintings here that you can see to the. Mm-hmm. Right. I painted with my eyes closed. Real? No way. Yeah. With, and I painted it fully with my forearms. And Ow. it was just that the energy was flowing. And it's almost, look, you know, when you get, you get so in tune, you just flow. And you're in that state of flow that you don't mm-hmm. need to have your eyes open. You can just trust your body, trust your instincts. So that's how I paint. And even whenever I have a plan, it's so funny. And if I have a vision and I go try to implement it, it won't work because I'm thinking. I have to be so fully in my heart and in my body and in that space of truly flow. And only then will the art piece come, come through me. And I never try to force it to end. It's kind of like this emotion, this feeling of completion. That's when I know it's done. Mm. And I never have a plan of a color palette. 
Wow. It's like this voice whispers in my ear saying, hey, pick up the green. Hey, now pick up, blend this color and this color. And I'm like that, you know, sometimes I'll be like, that doesn't make sense, but I've learned to trust it. And, and that's where it's like that muscle that we all have of being able to distinguish which voices are speaking. And for me, like my brain works like an orchestra. I need to paint seven to eight at the same time. I can't paint. Why? Because different pieces, seven to eight different pieces. Different, yes. different. Wow. Pieces. And one of the reasons why is because if I just focus on one to two, I'm going to switch from flow and, and heart energy into brain energy, You're which gonna is fixate. I'm going to start judging it, thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, no. Interesting. That's where I fluctuate, but bounce around. So I'm not stuck on one painting and trying to make it something mm-hmm. because so often I create things that I couldn't even imagine. Like this painting, there's a big blue painting that yeah. really feels like the, the galaxy and someone asked me to do something like it but smaller and I was like I can't replicate this because I have no idea how I made it I can make something similar and I will channel your energy and your intentions that's another thing so I'm working on yeah do you commission pieces like yeah so people make requests yes so for example the Georgetown University Cancer Center I'm making a 12 foot long painting for them for um their waiting room where cancer patients will be sitting. What I do is I channel, first I tune into the energy of the patients. And I I feel a lot of their emotions and their pain. And then I tune into this healing energy. So you'll find me crying in between while painting because I'm feeling their emotions and I'm, I'm in the process of alchemizing it into healing energy. And then I channel, I just channel the piece. For them and then I do something I've done something where I've translated a you know a couple's love story into art and wow. another where someone wanted to manifest also love as so we made a custom painting for her and um, another person wanted to grieve her father's loss her, his passing and we did a painting and I again I channeled the the, the energy and knew and I end up knowing things that she's never told me and that are are true and it's just I've been learning how to actually be more open with my gifts and that's why I say art is much more than an object it is an experience there's so much data in it even when you come into my studio what you're attracted to says so much it doesn't mean you have to leave with that painting but there's a message for you mm. oh god I love that and I it's just so special that so many people trust you with these indescribable experiences and feelings um that you have the opportunity to make that for them that's just and of course make ones for yourself that's amazing and I think that's one of the hardest parts about being an artist too is trusting your intuition and just knowing what's knowing in your gut what um letting that lead a little bit yeah and it's interesting you say the hardest part and that's where again like I'll, I'll push hardest on yeah. that you know yeah. it's, it's not that's for me the easiest part now that's great but but, but I mean that's a liberating training, place right? to be yeah it took training yeah but that's where like when you go when you get to that space it's like there you can't there's no other way but but it's the hardest part for me was going like moving the roadblocks that was, were between me and my intuition and that were right. that that was like different traumas right that were like I put them in place to not trust myself because I I didn't protect myself mm-hmm. the world didn't protect me so that's the work that I feel like we all can do because our intuition is so beautiful I love that we just get to see your intuition like in color in person like that's what it feels like it's amazing so you sometimes also paint with your feet and you always include five to eleven layers of paint and you only work in nicer clothing oh Oh my god tell us about that oh it's it's um my paintings have personality let's just say that so they demand I dress up really nicely for them so I'm talking, you know, Chanel heels, and, oh my God. <laughs> and nice, you know, Max Mara blazer with 
whatever nice pants like it, or, or a nice dress. It really depends on the energy of the painting. Uh, so for example, once I was channeling, uh, I was making a custom painting for this book and I didn't know a lot about her dress code, but I was inspired to wear blazers and suits every day, but they were a bit more like, were, there was a bit of like edge to them. Mm -hmm. And then her husband saw me painting. She has severe Alzheimer's and can't speak. So her husband saw me and I explained, he's like, you know, like Lynn wears a lot of that kind of clothes. I was like, Oh, okay. That, that makes sense. So, so anyway, I, I, I dress up in nice clothes. I put out, I, uh, the painting tells me also what candles and scents to have around it, what crystals, uh, and what flowers. So, because, you know, think about it, you walk into a space, you either feel super comfortable or you don't, or you feel neutral. Like there, there's, mm. I mean, rarely do we ever feel neutral. We're always leaning towards somewhere. So everything's energy. So what I put around my painting is so important because that will go into the energy of the painting and that's why when people come and see my art they're like they feel something because it's been so conscious like the cultivation of an energy when making it yeah oh that's so neat and you display those clothes too in your exhibits which is so fun yeah I'm that's hoping amazing. that's why one day I'm excited to have a fashion collaboration be that like, would be hey. cool that would be cool and you know that circles back to what we said earlier that you wanted to do a fashion collaboration and a music one but you also I mean I was so tempted to ask about this immediately you did have a music collaboration with the drummer John Densmore from the doors what the heck tell me about that yeah that was pretty cool that's so cool yeah what well, we did in Los Angeles we so he, it was a fundraiser for the Elysian Valley um, Arts Collective. And mm -hmm. he was uh, drumming in a drum circle and I was painting, translating the, like just the sound of the music, the energy of the group into visual art. And it was just, it was just beautiful energy. He's such a kind human. And that's so cool. So passionate about clearly about what he does and, uh, yeah so and that was for like a social it was a, basically to help fundraise for uh this arts collective in in Frogtown in the east side mm -hmm. of LA to bring arts to low-income families that's awesome yeah. wow well you are doing some amazing work um can you tell me about one of your pieces one that's on your heart right now Ooh. um Okay, I'm gonna tell you about, there's, okay, so it's called Modern Love. It's the okay. one in the back. Mm -hmm. So I've been thinking a lot about love and I'm excited to enter a real partnership, a romantic partnership. And that painting is primarily to like from far gray and it's, there's black and white and gray and mm -hmm. little bits of, of, of um, yellow, pink and blue. So if you look at it on one side, there's a lot of more gray. And then, but if you, and, and it looks like noise. And then if you go to the left side of it, you'll start seeing the blue and pink coming in. And that symbolizes the divine feminine and divine masculine starting to come into your life. And as you like connect with these two, if you go straight up, as you witness the painting, you'll see all this yellow come out of nowhere. And for me, that painting is all about modern love of like, I could focus on all the noise, but I actually am excited to receive a partnership that is balanced in its divine feminine masculine. So this whole birthing of a new chapter symbolized by the yellow can come through. Hmm. That's the painting that first came to mind. <laughs> well, that's beautiful. Do you ever like, are there any that you ever attempted to hold on to? Like if that one got acquired tomorrow, would you be sad? Yeah. So no, no. Um, there were two paintings that I was not ready to sell. So I did not have them posted okay. until I was ready. Uh, and then the second was so interesting when I was ready, they sold, you know, so I trust this is another part of wow. it's been a journey to learn how to trust my paintings and not just for me, because I know they have lessons for me, but to trust that with the right like energetic match of a buyer will come at the time that is also good for them. 
Mm. You know, so I'm, I've been learning how to right because you want them to have good homes and and to resonate with the people that they're gonna live with, and you yeah, do yeah. practice Reiki on them as well. Yes, I do Reiki on all of them. Do you um do you are you self taught or what's your no no I've been I uh, I've been no no you can't be self taught with Reiki you have to go through a master so I practice Reiki for about so I've been doing Reiki for about ten years wow. So uh, I've had, I have the highest level. I used to practice on first plants and then animals and then people. Mm-hmm. So I used to just give sessions for, for people. And now I don't do that. I just do it through art. Can you practice Reiki on yourself? Yeah. Do you yeah. do that as well or just the paintings? I do. I do. That's cool. Can you explain that a little bit just to people that aren't familiar? Yeah. So it's a, it's a form of transferring energy through your hands onto an, onto something so it's it's a japanese ancient form of healing and think about like you have scars right i mean you have if you have an open wound the the, the skin starts like healing itself so similar if there's reiki you channel energy to remove dust of energy that's not relevant to you anymore mm. and it it helps with physical ailments emotional ailments etc oh very cool Oh, this has just been so wonderful. And I don't want to let you go, but I do want to be mindful of your time. Um, so I guess there's a few things I want to know before I, before we end this one, of course, um, where people can see your work and how they can support you, because I know that you have a lot going on right now. And I want to make sure everyone knows and just any other thoughts that you want to leave us with. Yeah, well, uh, you can find me at uh, aidamurad.com or on Instagram, Murad Aida. Uh, I've just launched a 10-week art journey where for women only, where we start on June 9th and it'll be for 10 weeks and we meet once a week and we, I hold space for you to paint with your fingers and, and um, it's been really powerful. Is that in New York? That's virtual. Virtual, That's virtual. okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Um. Yeah, and what I'd leave people is is stay curious, stay curious. That's that's curiosity is beautiful. I would say, uh, get curious about yourself, get curious about trying new things, and reach out if you ever have a question or a thought. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. I appreciate your time. I know it's so valuable. Um, And thank you all for listening. This has been Fiona Winch with Ida Murad. Thank you, Fiona.